I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In this episode, we are having our first review only episode since we decided recently to make changes to the podcast. We changed to a weekly format, breaking up the traditional format of the podcast into a three-episode cycle, um, hopefully to help with our schedules as they change due to work and maybe also make things a little better for you, the listener, a little more bite-sized, a little more condensed. You get shorter episodes. So with this episode... It is a main event review episode. When we review a film, we start off with the good. What worked about a movie? What were its strengths? What did we like about a film? And then we move on to the bad. What were a film's flaws? What sucked about a film? What have you? Then we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad, give a score, and head into spoilers and final thoughts. So no spoilers prior to that as we talk about what was good and bad about a film. In this episode, the review will be of Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling. I have it, I have it, I have it. Focus, right here. Have a little drink. All of you wives, we men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys, at least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! No. Jack. It's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. And that was from the trailer to Don't Worry Darling. This is a, a film... Starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, Olivia Wilde herself, Kiki Lane, Gemma Chan, Nick Kroll, and Timothy Simons. Written by Katie Silberman, who is best known for the screenplays to such films as 
Book Smart, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. Isn't it romantic? And actually, not those are pretty much her primary projects uh, prior to Don't Worry, Darling. The story to the film was also created by Carrie and Shane Van Dyke, who are best known uh, for the uh, scripts to uh, Chernobyl Diaries and The Silence, which I'm not terribly familiar with. All right, Shanna, you are a self-professed fan of Olivia Wilde thanks to Booksmart. I believe Booksmart was, if not your favorite movie of 2019, certainly one of your favorite movies of 2019. Talk about what level of anticipation you had going into this film after seeing the trailer and everything, and what was good about Don't Worry Darling. Yes, I am a fan of Olivia Wilde. I absolutely adore Booksmart. And so hearing that Katie Silberman was someone who worked with Olivia Wilde in Booksmart and now over here makes me kind of happy because it's always nice when creative people are forming their teams that they prefer, Mm. much like Steven Spielberg and everyone that he surrounded himself with. Mm. I really like this film, and I had told you after watching it, I think I need to watch it again before we record, but scheduling doesn't allow for that this time. Right, and and typically not also. Yeah, because I think that this film is definitely one of those that needs to be watched watched twice before Mm. formulating a very definite opinion about it, so I'll do my best with this. Did you have expectations of this film? Well, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't talk too much about your expectations because, like, I feel like we both were looking forward to this film. When we did our fall movie preview, I believe this was the movie of September that we were looking forward to the most. Yeah, it's one of those films where you don't know much about what's going on. And she had one trailer and then a second trailer. And in the second trailer, you kind of got a sense of, okay, we're going to, It's not just something set in the 1950s. It's something set in the 1950s that's going to have some commentary that makes it relevant today. Mm. And I thought that that was interesting, but wasn't sure what was going to happen in the actual film. It's definitely a spoiler film, and we're going to tread very lightly with that. Hmm. I really enjoyed the cinematography. I think that Olivia Wilde is teaming up with a great cinematographer. It was the same thing with Booksmart. I don't know if it's the same person. I was also impressed with the music by John Powell. I think it was lovely and it kind of reminded me of Arrival in that there's vocals being used Mm. in a very particular way. And so it looks like the cinematography is Matthew Libertique, and that was a lot of fun. The set design was really lovely, and the treatment of the film was really good. I liked the setting, and I, I really enjoyed the story. This is the same cinematographer that did Birds of Prey. And I liked watching Florence Pugh and, of course, Olivia Wilde and... That's all I have to say without treading into spoiler territory. Mm. I think it's a great film. 
what positives do you have to comment on? Well, to clarify, in terms of anticipation, my my anticipation for the film was pretty high. It looked like this could have been Olivia Wilde leveling up from Booksmart, taking a big swing with this film. As, as the trailers indicated, it was a movie that was about something it was a it seemed very much to be like it was going to be a, a film with feminist themes and through a somewhat of a sci-fi premise potentially and so i was i was very excited and looking forward to seeing the film what i think is good about the film is i think the performances are probably one of the best things about the, the film. The production design is interesting. I mean, there's there's uh, the idea of this place that everybody is living in is is well designed. It's very interesting. Uh, there's the place that you live in and you, you're staying, you're safe. And then there's beyond that and we've seen several movies where there is a beyond xyz you don't go beyond xyz Mm -hmm. you know we don't know what exists beyond that or it's not safe beyond that whatever it is and so you know you see several times this model of where they live and it's it's uh I, i think that all works very well and is interesting I think the film is also shot well. I, I, you know, the the trailer gives you an idea of what the cinematography is going to be like in the film, and it definitely follows through. It's also that. nice that the trailer, what we see in the trailer, most of those moments that we see happen fairly early in the film. A majority of the scenes in the trailer happen. In the beginning of the film. Well, not so much the beginning, but certainly the first half. I, that struck me while watching it, too. I was surprised by that. Sure, there is a lot of quick shots at a certain point in the trailer, and they might be peppered throughout the film. But for the most part, you're absolutely right. The, the, the stuff in the, the trailer is largely the first half of the film. I think we have most most of what we want to say is in spoilers. So I think the sooner we get to that, probably the best. Uh, what didn't work for you about the film? On I know you're wishing that you could have a, a second impression of the film, but upon first impression, what sort of things stood out to you that didn't quite work or sit right or what have you, big or small? Well, without getting spoilery, something happens at the end. One or two things happen at the end, and I feel like as we're getting to the climax of the film, it feels like there were a couple scenes that were taken out. So that's one thing. But Mm. then in addition to that, because we're missing a bit of information, Mm. and I'm I'm pretty sure I was paying paying close attention. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other part of that is there's one or two things that happen to the setting that is a little confusing 
how did that happen? What's the explanation there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a line of dialogue would have helped me mm-hmm. just to, you know, help it stick the landing. But mm-hmm. because none of that got explained and I have to assume, and I'm very good at assuming and <laughs> stretching things mm-hmm. in films, it's it's not enough. Mm. And I feel like I'm stretching too hard for it, mm. which I never feel. And I feel like that that could have been better. Mm-hmm. I think that's all, all reasonable affair. Because I do feel like frequently there's things that happen that maybe needed some more like explanation or development or lead up or, you know, I'm not, I don't, I think the movie in terms of setups and payoffs is lacking overall and and consistently uh, throughout. And part of that is because of some of the things that you're saying in terms of feeling like there's information or or things that are that are missing. Mm-hmm. Now that could be a script issue. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I mentioned before, Katie Silberman did "Isn't It Romantic," and that was a movie with a great premise that did not execute that premise very well do you remember that movie yeah i think so yeah that was a huge disappointment and unfortunately with book smart and incident romantic being katie silverman's previous work it's like okay well we know she can hit and hit really well yeah or she can really fail to stick the landing on a concept and i feel like with don't worry darling it's it's really somewhere in between I definitely feel strongly that some that several minutes got cut out and mm. I don't like when people do that I feel because if you ever see an uncut version then everything makes sense mm. and so if that is the case then I'm pissed but yeah well, I think the I think the good outweighs the bad I think that people should watch this film there's mm. a lot to talk about a lot to feel about this film mhm I mean, there's a lot to feel in response to this film. Mm. This is a movie that I I liked, but it in no way measured up to the expectations I had of it. It is not the knockout of the park that I really was expecting and hoping from Olivia based on what I saw already of the film. I, I I don't think this is a film that really sticks the landing. And I think that what it's reaching for is just outside of its grasp, unfortunately. It's one of those movies that, like, the more I think about it afterwards, the more that things just don't quite come together as beautifully as it should have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more i would give this film a, a six out of ten at this point after you know a couple hours of seeing the film and and thinking about it at this point i think the good barely outweighs the bad but we'll, I, I, again, there's a lot of spoiler talk that we have to have to really kind of tease out exactly what those issues are. 
I give it a 7 out of 10. So, shall we get into spoilers and final thoughts then? Yes, let's go for it. Okay, so if you have seen the film, follow, come along with us, listen to the rest of the episode as we get into our more detailed thoughts and final thoughts on Don't Worry Darling. If, Starting... In a moment. If you haven't seen it, pause and then come back. But we're going to start now. Okay, so now we don't have to be as careful about yeah, what we're saying. Yeah, we can kind of go crazy here. Yeah, it's okay. It's safe place. All right, did you want to start off with anything in particular? Well, I think we mostly want to talk about when the sci-fi part kicks in. When we transition... Mm. from her being electrocuted to get rid of her memories, essentially, to she realizes her real life, it's kind of antebellum-ish in a way. Her real life is actually present time and she's a doctor. She's a surgeon. She's amazing. So we already get some sci-fi elements before that. Sure, but this is where it kind of... It's, really, you're, you're talking about the reveal of what's actually going on. Sure. We can say it like that. Okay. So so to to explain what it is you're talking about, off of off the top of my head in my memory, she thinks that she has gotten her husband to agree to get out of town with her. And mm-hmm. and then she gets dragged away by the men in red. Right. Yes. And taken to a hospital where she's electrocuted, I believe, to get rid of her memories. She's given electroshock therapy more uh, uh, specifically, like you've seen in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and movies like that. And yes, I guess to supposedly reset her brain or something. It's to get rid of her memories. But Mm -hmm. what we come to realize is in the real world while her husband is taking care of her he's constantly singing this don't worry darling song and that comes back to bite him in the ass later which i enjoyed but well what we actually go step back a step even further we learn that florence Pugh's character was actually a surgeon a fairly successful uh, surgeon in the sense that she had a, 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 a career. She was working. She was working sometimes 30 hours straight. Which isn't unusual for someone in the medical field. It's not ideal, right. but it is pretty realistic. And she was doing that because her husband lost his job and wasn't finding other work, but also wasn't taking care of the house either. So not really stepping up into, I wouldn't even call it a gender swap at this point. I would call it, you know, whichever spouse is staying at home needs to do the homely duties. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't doing any of that. Uh, Instead, he was coming across a sort of cult. Well, okay. So it's not clear. This is one of the things that I... One of many things I wish was a, uh, developed a little bit better. All we see is suddenly, like, when she comes home, he's listening on the computer to some sort of 
what it's not even a video it's like um, an audio recording with an image a single like logo type logo, image type thing right Project logo, yeah and it's about uh, the the logo has to do with the word chaos and everything so he's listening to the chris pratt chris pratt chris pine's character essentially giving his pitch to what his vision is but we don't know like what he's doing aside from that how he came across it what what even interests him in the first place about it all that information is absent in the film all we get is one night when he sees his wife come home tired having no energy and having to go right back to work in six hours after a 30-hour shift that's that's the only information we get about their situation at that time. Well, we also see his frustration that he can't have canoodling time mm-hmm. with her. And we see her frustration with him that he didn't get the motivation to cook them a meal while she was yeah. out working 30 hours. Yeah, yeah. And then her frustration with that uh, and... Him being frustrated. Oh, I'm hungry. Well, she's mm-hmm. not your mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you you're a grown ass man. And then we see him later buying tunes, cans of tuna, and just eating that out of the tin. And it was just like, yeah, which is okay. a little gross, actually. <laughs> it's it's all really bizarre and pathetic, yeah. honestly. And then he's listening to this rhetoric about, you know, women should be at home. Well, no, that's never explicitly said. That's never explicitly said in Chris Pine's pitch. He never says women should be at the home. Okay. He, he talks about, he, he, uh, he carries on about our modern technology and, and how happiness has been sapped away by our current existence and progress, all that sort of stuff. He's never spouting misogynistic words, despite like, even though, like, despite you... everything, the environment, right, the control right, of right, women, right. that's not part of his pitch. That's not part of um, what he says. You never heard those words. So the thing that I wanted to talk about that didn't stick the landing is when she remembers everything after the shock treatment and after a day or two of being back to normal in this world, in mm. this existence. Her husband makes the mistake of singing that song and she's reminded of her life mm-hmm. properly and mm-hmm. coherently. And she realizes what he's done to her. He's taken her life away from her and disrespected essentially her career and everything that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And then what begins to happen is her friend says, oh, I know, but I'm here by choice. This is where my children are alive. Fine. But then she goes outside and other women start to realize something's really not right. They're all witnessing this now, as opposed to how Florence Pugh's character was witnessing the character that slit her own throat Mm -hmm. by herself. Now everyone's seeing how Florence Pugh's character is going. Mm-hmm. And then things start to explode from different houses, like these pops of pops of dust, and all the men are freaking out. It's 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 
it's the lights uh, in the driveways that's that's bursting oh. inexplicably. So, but what's the information that you felt was lacking? I felt like I needed to know why that was happening. You know, we're hearing mm. whose world is this? This is ours. But it also sounds like they're saying Alice. So I don't know if this world is reliant on her mind for them all to live there or for it to function. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's a little confusing and I would have liked just a little more information as to what would cause things to pop and explode. Mm-hmm. So that was information lacking. Mm-hmm. And then there was something else, but I already forgot, unfortunately. Well, maybe it'll come back to you. But yeah, I agree that stuff like that, it's not like when you're watching it, it's clicking into place and making perfect sense when it happens. You know, there's you could even go back as far back as when... Alice, played by Florence Pugh, first sees the airplane in the sky Mm. and watches it, she thinks, crash on the other side of a hill. Of course, we never see even an explosion on the uh, come from the. We see smoke, but we. You're right. We don't see an explosion, and as it's coming into frame, it kind of does a little warp, as if it's going through a barrier. Yeah. So. Knowing what we know, which is that I guess this is all a program that everybody is being subjected to one way or another, or, or, or as you suggested, willingly being a part of, why would the plane even exist in the first place? What's the point of that whole plane? And... And since it's not real, which uh, I'll, I'll come back to that. Since it's not real, like why isn't it kind of there's, there's moments throughout the movie where I don't feel like people necessarily react how you would think they would react. Like, why wouldn't she be like, that's weird. There was not an, I didn't see any sort of explosion or added smoke after it went to the other side. She just. It seems like she just assumed it crashed. It's a reasonable assumption to an extent, but like the things that you expect to happen with a plane crash doesn't happen. So she doesn't necessarily think through that. And again, uh, but most importantly, why does that even why is that even in the program? So I think it's possibly there to show that she's innately a caring person. She's a surgeon in real life. She cares about people. Sure. So if she sees I don't know if you've ever known someone in the medical field. Yes. Uh, but like if they see something bad happen that, that's going to involve injured people, they kind of run towards the disaster, you sure. know, to help people. So I wonder if it was there to kind of establish that she's, she is, this is who she is. And everyone the, else is kind of crazy in this world. The scene. Yes. But why? And then the red airplane. Yeah. We see the, uh, that mom. Margaret, played by Kiki Lane, we see her holding a red airplane toy. Uh. And in the beginning, you kind of get a sense that, okay, well, something happened to a child. And then we see a memory of Margaret's where she's walking into the desert with her son and pulling this plane. So it becomes part of Florence's experience, uh, Alice's experience. And I'm just wondering if, that was a way of her kind of putting things together 
or yeah i'm not sure that that makes any sense like even if like we just got the word anomaly like i would like rest easy you know like yeah. women connecting with each other and well i i guess like there's you could question like whether or not whether or not it was also a vision that she saw because like i don't know if the trolley driver was pretending he didn't see it or if it, he he literally couldn't see it i will say that when things happen in this film mm-hmm. that aren't ideal for the environment Men seem to not know how to behave, whether it's to push the woman's buttons, Mm. like with Chris Pine towards Alice at the dinner. That jeopardizes your project. Why would you do that? Mm. And then secondly, like, oh, the the trolley guy. I don't know what to do about this. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and pretend that I see nothing. But then also the other husband's reactions to when they clearly realize Alice is getting out of this world. So when, when exactly when she's going to drive away and the lights explode, like the uh, one husband starts really freaking out and uh-huh. the other one, you know, cause he's the new one. So yeah. he's like, you said this couldn't happen. And it's like, he's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. He's just standing there freaking out. Mm-hmm. So I will say like men are really stupid in this. So can we talk about Chris Pine's character for a second? Sure. So he is positioned as the architect of the entire thing. This is his project, all that sort of stuff. And we see everything through subjectively through Alice's perspective, right? We experience her having her visions. We experience her understanding something's not right all this sort of stuff yeah we don't get anyone else's perspective right and then the one time we see him have an experience with her really aside from the sex scene is he approaches her in the kitchen and he says to her it's a shame your friend didn't believe you or i'm sorry your friend didn't believe you right And he carries on acting as though she's going to be a worthy adversary for him. And yet, there's no reason for him to think that in any way. Like, there's, she's had no interaction with him that suggests, oh, like, and he says, like, you keep pushing me. And it's like, he, she hasn't even really done anything with you to to push you, right? Like, so stuff like that didn't make sense. But at the same time, I like this idea of Chris Pine um, being this uh, megalomaniac in a way and like wanting Alice to try to, to challenge him and, and see him try to parry her challenges by by what's the word by gaslighting and, and essentially trying to make her sound crazy. Right. I like that. But it never really goes anywhere that that it seems to be promising. That whole that that rivalry between them doesn't go anywhere satisfying. And to me, that is a disappointment in what is being set up in the film. I, I thought it was very interesting idea what it was setting up. That moment that you see in the trailer where they're at the kitchen the dining room table. 
have, with that dinner, that is potentially a really great setup for this this conflict between them that builds up to the end of the film. And it doesn't go anywhere. We have that even essentially stolen from us by something else that we can talk about in, in, in a second here that all itself doesn't have any setup for and feels like, and maybe this is what you're talking about later, is going to have its own um, stuff and it goes on. But my, yeah, so my, my feeling, I don't know if you felt the same way, is, is that Chris Pine's character just did not get fully as realized as it seemed like it was uh, setting up for. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that as well? Between him and her, I mean, we have him walking in on her and her husband having sex in Mm. his room Mm -hmm. at his house. Mm -hmm. And then we see him promoting her husband. And then we see him having dinner together. And... It's all rather creepy from a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. you know. But I think you're right. I think we're lacking a little bit there. And then that Gemma Chan mm. is, that's his wife, is mm. standing up for him eventually. And they leave. I, it's just all a little weird. It's all a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was definitely an issue I had with it. Go ahead. There's definitely a lot of really good elements in this film. Yes. A lot of good themes, a lot of things being realized, but then not sticking the landing is the issue. And I really feel like there must have been deleted scenes. Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know yet. But let's talk about that Gemma Chain moment in the end where Alice is about to get away. Yeah, she's really close to it, getting out of that world. Yeah. And Chris Pine is just sitting there waiting to hear if his crews are going to be able to intervene in time. Right. And Gemma is nearby him. She's There's a, there's a lot about slicing lemons in this movie. She's slicing lemons. Must be a dish. I don't know. Because, is it, I mean, maybe because it, Alice was doing it previously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it could even be a symbolism of some kind that I'm not mm-hmm. aware of. And she, she, walk, you see her walk out of frame with the knife after a moment, and then um, this is when he realizes and has made it clear that Alice has not been caught. Yeah, in time. I guess. And he turns around and 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 Shelley, played by Gemma Chain, stabs him and twists the knife. And which is a surprise, first of all. And I'm thinking in that moment, oh, are we going with the oh, she's somehow got awoke as well and is not having it. But instead, she says, oh "God, she says something she says about something along the lines of how he's a stupid man." Yeah. And you know, at the dinner table previously, she had insulted Alice for not appreciating the gift that they have. Mm-hmm. And I do know that one thing that women think about sometimes is, uh, and and there's female comedians that'll joke about it in their sketch shows. But 
we think about 1950s and we're like, God, I would have loved to have been a housewife. My mm. only work was to clean the house and look after the children and look after my husband. Sounds great. Mm. You know, so that's one job. And, oh, I don't have to get another job. That sounds awesome because that's what a lot of women are doing right now. And it's exhausting. And so I could see why Gemma would be like, this is a gift, you know. But she says that and then she says something like it's it's my turn or something. Yeah, so I don't know if they were in it together and they were creating this together because I would imagine, like, if you're the leader of this, you probably need to have your spouse on board. Possibly. We knew that he at least had this partner that was the doctor of the town. But my 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 issue is she says this and I'm thinking, oh, there's obviously going to be another scene with her as to that's going to explain what she means by that. Like, is that her just stepping up? Is she going to suddenly be at the place that Florence Pugh is is running to? Like, what is she going to do? Yeah, that's how what she, I thought. How I is thought she going she to intervene? Yeah. Is she going to intervene in some way? What do we get? We get nothing, nothing, and we had broken away from Alice's perspective. We did have a little bit of Jack's perspective when he was setting up mm. Alice, mm-hmm. but great. The only other perspective we have, and it's a stabbing and a fuck you, motherfucker kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. It's it's just that sort of stuff is like, well, what, 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 what the hell? It, 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 and it, it, it not only does it cut the whole cut that character short and in, 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 uh, short of his potential of something satisfying in the climax, but it, it, it left me wondering what more than anything else. And that's not really a feeling you want in the climax. You don't want a feeling of what in, in a film like this. So uh, that was an, that was definitely an issue I had with it. And it was one of several throughout that just kind of like uh, you're you're not paying off your setups or yeah. you're creating a setup and then there's no payoff. Yeah. Well, and jumping back a whole bunch, everything leading up to her realize her being taken away by the men in red, I thought was pretty sound. You know, the world building was fine. Uh, we did. De- I definitely got astronaut wives club vibes. I also thought, oh, they must be working on like atomic bombs or something uh the way that 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 hill is set up right and right and you there's for some reason there's vibration that happens something like silent like giant earthquake will sort of happen and, and supposedly that's them doing their work none of that ever gets explained again it could have been like when jack was setting alice up Mm-hmm. It could have been explained in the background, like now you'll want to be aware of anomalies that would uh, would be evident through earthquakes, but really are a woman starting her period or whatever the fuck, <laughs> you know, whatever. So again, little bits of dialogue that could have helped us, and maybe I missed something, but I don't think I did. Yeah. Well, now, okay. So I. Uh... The idea of a, a woman's period being the earthquakes is, is, is hilarious to me. I'm just but, having some fun. But I will say, you bring up other questions in mind. Of I thought what we were witnessing the entire story was reality. That somehow mm. 
these women were like convinced that this was a good idea and, and all that sort of stuff. And this was a reality that existed. So and the entire time I'm thinking, so like, do they pay taxes? Like, how does the government like, are they ex- like, how does this work well, inside the country? But let me get to it. it yeah. It's it's. Instead, it's just, like, people lying in bed with these eye clamps and, (laughs) like, having these laser scanners. That apparently don't need eye drops. But women are laying there forever. Like, they they still got to have their periods. What happens? You know? Like, in the the logic of this world, Mm -hmm. what exactly... How do you work through that? Like, what is... You know the the process here, like, mm. and they still have to excrete fluids and stuff. Like, it, well, the, like it, none of this makes sense when you think about it. I mean, I'm thinking like, you know how if you're in hospital and you have to get what what is that thing, like you pee into a bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thing. catheter. I mean that yeah. catheters exist for women too, I believe, but, yeah, but I don't think there's an equivalent to help with periods. Right. Well, so. regardless, there was none of that. She was hooked up to nothing. Well, and also, how does time pass by? Mm-hmm. Like, is one month, is it hour per hour? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it? Mm-hmm. You know? None of those, like, it completely, this idea of it being simulated shoots the world building in the foot, actually, because then it stops making complete sense. Now, there's mm-hmm. questions in, in the, the the world building as presented to begin with, like, how did you get these um, people to be like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. I mean, you could you could see potentially a scene of, like, people being sold on this, potentially. But now this now you're entering other problems and, and, and creating other questions, which is like, okay, so how did Florence Pugh go from I'm a hardworking surgeon to I'm on the bed having this on my eyes like what were the steps there was a quick flash and basically he got her knocked out whether it was physically or through drugs and you see him drag you see him dragging her to the bed from the kitchen jesus that's uh, i didn't i didn't i that i didn't realize that and that's awful (laughs) the whole thing's pretty horrific so you could probably we 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 should probably wrap up soon, but you sh- you could probably get into like the the themes of the the film, what it's really trying to say about fem- women and and what what its feminist ideology is, what its what sort of misogyny exists in the film. You could really probably spend another hour mining that. My uh, my issues with the film come down to basic. Uh, writing issues and world building issues and logic issues i think the themes are sound though i mean it's really good that we're actually talking about a a present time and the programmer decided we're going to go back to the 1950s which Mm -hmm. woman came out of the house to help with the war and then got pushed back in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now we're like present day oh we're going to push women back in again so Mm -hmm. not something I mean, I don't know to what extent, like the whole abortion thing on Roe vs. Wade, 
not something that had happened before this film was shot and all and, and written. So it's one of those things where sometimes a film comes out after something happens in real in reality that can make things kind of serendipitous in terms of the prescience of a film, but. I think the whole line of her establishing early in the movie, oh, we're not going to have kids. That's just not us. And then later when he's de- uh, Jack is desperately trying to hold on to Alice, mm. says maybe we should have a baby. And that is a form of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm, I'm sure it would have looked a teeny bit different, but it, it's there. Mm-hmm. All of the stuff is there that women have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we addressed uh, in the film that that occurred, uh, positive or negative? Um, I'm pretty sure that from a feminine, inclusive, intersectional feminist perspective, it's kind of lacking. You know, we have two black characters in this film. One black character dies. The other black character doesn't even have, I don't think she's included in anything. So I think we're failing there a Mm. little bit, too. You complimented the score. I love John Powell, but I actually mm. thought that there were occasions where the score was a little overbearing as far as I was concerned. Oh. Um, trying, It felt like it was trying to tell you how to feel. I will say the editing, the sound editing was quite lovely. The sound design, yes, I agree sense. with you that, yes. Now mm-hmm. that we know that, you know, she's in a different world and so it's kind of like underwater kind of sometimes you have that sound design yes yes that sound yes i agree with you the sound design is a different story and it is it is a positive for sure all right i think like you said we could go on for hours mm-hmm. probably needs a second viewing before we get to wrapping up the episode uh just to kind of recap these are our thoughts on Don't Worry Darling. A little bit of a disappointment for me. Uh, Shanna, it sounds like it's less of a disappointment for you. Less of a disappointment. I have questions, but less disappointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what do you think of Don't Worry Darling? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And that'll do it for this episode. Shanna? You can find me on Instagram, Shanna Paxton Photography, and on Flickchart, Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com where you'll find past episodes and several articles and reviews and features as well. Follow on social media. Uh, Facebook.com slash the Gibson Review or on Instagram, the Gibson 99. I do bracket polls there. You recently voted for your favorite 2000 movie, movie from the year 2000, and that was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, if you check soon, you should be seeing another poll for your favorite movie of the 2000s. Taking all your favorite picks and a few more from the decade and finding out which one reigns supreme above all. I'm wondering if it'll be the Dark Knight or the Lord of the Rings, or maybe you guys are surprised, but check it out at the Gibson 99 on Instagram. 
Next time on The Movie Lovers, we will be having our Film Faves episode. Film Faves, we'll be focusing on our favorite documentaries. We've done documentaries of the decade, looking at the documentaries of 2010s. We have not done the genre as a whole, so that's what we will be doing next time. Look for that episode on i believe it's tuesday october 2nd if i'm not mistaken until then keep loving the movies this is jeff and shanna saying bye-bye